Well, welcome to See Here, Love. And okay, I don't have favorites, but I kind of do have a favorite. I love this panel. Don't tell the other panels I said that. But here we are, Ask the Experts panel. Yeah, welcome back, thank Mary. you. Thank you, Mel. It's really great to have you. And Deborah, welcome back. It's good to see you. Good to be with you again. And we have a special guest here, Sunite Lichmar, registered psychotherapist. Welcome. Thanks for stepping in today. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. And when I say wonderful, it's like get ready for a really hot, yes. deep, difficult, but really yeah. empowering and hopeful topic because today we're talking about stop believing the lies. Oh, yes. Resetting for the new year yep. and changing your narrative. Mm -hmm. Boom, boom, boom. Some really good things. Stuff. So I think the three of you, yeah. I'm just going to sit back and let you guys do your thing. <laughs> I'm going to learn. Take uh, notes. And I'm going to just take notes. I'm going to take <laughs> notes. I'm going to take notes. So we're kind of breaking it up into two parts. Yes. First about believing the lies. And then the second part of changing your narrative and resetting. Mm -hmm. So let's get going because I, I'm very fascinated, fascinated about this lies and believing the lies. So maybe we should start off with like first let's identify the lies that many of us. Let's talk about women. Sure. Uh, believe about themselves. Mm -hmm. So, Mary, let's start with you, and then we'll go tonight and Deborah. But what are some of the lies that we believe in and why? Yeah, well, I can talk about the ones I believe. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's that uh, I must earn love. Uh, my performance oh. equals love. So it's the pressure that I put on myself. But in working with a lot of women, I think that's a pretty common lie. Um, I think the lie that if I don't, it won't get done. So the sense of responsibility, mm. uh, definitely the lie of not being enough, that okay. you have to constantly prove yourself. You got to do more. Uh, those are some of the common ones that I see for sure. Wow. And it just so infiltrates right. the way that we see the world that we can't help but respond out of that. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. And then I wonder how many of us are like, oh, that's me too. Because some of those, I'm like, I, I have parts of that, mm -hmm. that lie. Okay, thank you, Mary. That's good. Tonight, what about for you? I think a common lie that we believe is that we are too much. Oh. So it could be we are too emotional. We're too aggressive. We're too loud. Just that too much. I think that's a message that a lot of us women internalize. Um, and it's very unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, we're too much. much. How often has oh. that lie silenced women? Oh, we have been silenced for a long time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, this is good. Yep. We're gonna be. There's gonna be a lot to unpack here. Yep. This is. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be a spicy show, ladies. Yeah. Deborah, <laughs> lies that we believe. It's it's sad hearing all of this in a way because you realize how many lies we actually absorb and soak up and how many lies are just so common. I think one lie that I see time and time again in both my life and in the lives of the women that I work with is that other women are our measuring stick. Oh. We believe that we somehow have to compare ourselves, our success, our beauty, as if they're the standard, they're the measuring stick. And so some days people are gonna be better than us and other days they're not going to be better than us. Right. And so then we're on an emotional roller coaster up and down because mm. our value comes from this false comparison. Oh man. Oh That's wow. So good. That is wow. and it's so subtle too, right? Because uh I like to think that I don't care what people think, BS. Mm. But really, <laughs> I can like your top is beautiful. Oh, maybe this color is not as nice. And right away, your brain just goes there. I know. Yeah. So my question yeah. then is, so these are legit lies. These are some that I have believed. I know many mm -hmm. women have. 
Why do we believe them? <laughs> Why do we, like, when I hear them out loud and spoken, they are, they sound so toxic and sad and shameful and yeah. so much uh, yeah. But why do we believe them? Tonight, what would you say? Like, why do we believe these lies and then live into them every day? That's a great question. I think, um, and I found this with myself too, I think many of us don't realize that they are lies. Mm -hmm. We just think that that is just who we are. Yes. That's just what we believe. Um, so these lies go unchallenged mm -hmm. and they become our personality. And so then our personality is like based on these lies. Um, and and it's, it's, it just keeps going and going. And then sometimes the lies grow when we find evidence that the lies are true. They grow and we're like, see, I of knew I wasn't enough. You know, yeah. I knew I was too much. I knew I was too emotional. Um, yeah. Oh, so it's just like the snowball exactly. effect, compounded, compounded, not dealing with right. it. And then we end up here and we're like, Right. fully believe them because that's what we've lived for so mm -hmm. long. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. And it's our filter. We notice what we mm. think is true and we're going to find evidence after evidence to reinforce that. Yeah. And we ignore all the data that's the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Deborah, you're nodding yep. like, yep, mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> it's so true. And I think what Sanite said about the fact that we don't challenge those beliefs. Mm -hmm. And sadly, some of those beliefs come from well-intentioned people. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look through the why, why do I believe this? For many of us, it's rooted in things that have actually happened, things people have said, comments they have made, whether it was a parent or a sister or a friend or a boyfriend or a husband. Mm -hmm. And yeah. these are sinful human beings that we're living around. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're gonna say things that aren't always true. But sometimes those things become labels that we carry for far too long to the point where we start believing them and then just living out of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I know this sounds like an obvious question, but when you believe the lies, uh, what are some of the consequences and outcomes of that? I mean, we talked about it, but I, what, what have you seen or experienced? And when you believed it, how did you act? Well, and how has that been really detrimental in living a fulfilling, honest life? Well, can I kind of back the truck up sure. a little bit? Can I talk about the brain? Okay. So our brains are wired for security, our survival, connection, and belonging. So those, if you keep that in mind, then that creates sort of these three forces that affect the way we believe things. Uh, number one, our memories are fallible. They're very much based on our experience, mm -hmm. uh, it's not like a tape recorder you can play, and then it's just this factual yeah. mm -hmm. movie, but it's our experience, often as kids, it's our memory, it's our perspective at the time. Mm -hmm. So you've got that. Well, the second thing is trauma absolutely shapes our brain and the way we see things. So if you've had any hurtful, painful experiences, especially as a kid, mm -hmm. you know, a child who's had abuse, they will often believe that it's their fault, they're powerless mm -hmm. and uh, they're not safe. So imagine if those are the lies you believed and you've never had them challenged, then they're going to infiltrate everything that you think about and do in life. Wow. And then the third thing is that uh, our thoughts are actually social. So it's a, so it's a social activity because I think about things based on data I'm getting from the outside. Right. So like what Deborah was saying, what people have said to you and because my desire to fit in is so important, I will take that on and I will begin to believe it yeah. and it shapes how I feel. Oh, interesting. Okay. So 
Deborah, tonight, in what Mary's saying, Dr. Mary, what are you, what's your response to that? So those three parts and then how we live into those and the consequences of that mm -hmm. tonight? Yeah, yeah, just to elaborate on the safety piece, it's like we, um, we hold on to these lies because for there was a point in our life where they made us feel safe, they made us feel secure. And so we create these little boxes that become our home, um, that's a lie, and we live in that because at one time it was safe. And not realizing that we don't need to live in that box anymore. Like we are safe as adults, like we could get out of that box, we can stand up because we're strong enough, because we're wise enough. But we remain in these boxes because that's all we know. And we think that's our reality when in, in reality, it's not. Mm. Um, yeah, so that, that keeps us trapped. Yeah, okay. It's good. Deborah. Yeah, it's so true. And I, I think sometimes the reason we believe these lies is because they help us survive. They help us get through a certain season, especially when um, Dr. Mary was talking about trauma and those type of things. Uh, but then we stay there and, and, and we stay in these dark places. We stay in these unhealthy places and we kind of allow our mind to have freedom. I think we live in a culture too, that kind of um, gives us permission to just you be you, you know, like think whatever you want, do whatever mm. you want, mm. be whoever you want without realizing that there is a part of us that is broken and sinful and, and part of that is our thought process and, and learning what it looks like to identify my true thoughts, my real God honoring thoughts from the false ones, rather than just accepting whatever we think mm -hmm. to be truth. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I think that's really, really powerful. I'm like, I'm just thinking through it as, as we're sitting here, as we believe the lies, how many, even myself, how many people we know and are connected with that are living into that. And and some of the and the problems and relationship breakdowns and the way they see themselves is really broken because of it. Yeah, and what Sunait was saying, like you feel trapped, like mm -hmm. this is the box. So I'd like to change my life, but I can't because this is the truth. And it's right. not actually. So right. the enemy knows that he's been studying us for our entire life and he knows the mm. buttons to push based on these boxes, these insecurities, these lies we believe. Yeah. And so he goes and pushes the button and we go, yep, no, I can't, sorry. Right. Okay, so on that, this is really gonna be the important part. How do we stop believing those lies? So, so here's the thing, for me when I was growing up, there was that part that, you know, I, I'm not good enough. Mm. I have to be like the loudest to be heard. Mm. Um, I'm not pretty enough. I will never be loved for who I am. I mean, lie after lie, I could go on and on and on. Um, and, and have lived into that space and place, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you, if you're believing these lies and the ones that we mentioned earlier, how do we stop believing that? Because I don't think it can just be a switch. No, I wish it <laughs> I was. I wish it was a switch, but, <laughs> but how, what does it take for us to just stop believing the lives and really live into it? What Deborah was saying, like sort of our true self, a healthy narrative who God has created us to be. Deborah, what would you say? You know, uh, this reminds me of a story. I worked with a gentleman who was constantly struggling with the lie that he wasn't good enough. And I always believe that it, we have to go backward in order to go forward. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time with him trying to identify where these lies could have come from. And sure enough, we talked through a season in his life where 
it, he was constantly fighting with his dad. And he said, mm-hmm. I never felt good enough. It was, it was either his way or the highway. I never had an opinion. Everything I did was wrong. Mm-hmm. So the roots of that belief started for him in childhood in a family where he just felt like he wasn't good enough. And he carried that belief into adulthood. Mm-hmm. So a huge part of it for each of us, I think, is going back and trying to find the root of the why. Why do I believe this and where did it start? Yeah. And that can be a difficult journey. But what I hear yes. you say, Deborah, is once we do that, it's like the, it can change your life mm-hmm. and replace the lie with truth. Mm-hmm. It's worth the work, Absolutely. the hard work. Oh Absolutely. Goodness, yeah. That's good. Tonight for you, how can we stop the lie, yeah. believing the lies? Like, I love what Deborah said. Like, that's such a key um, piece to um, not believing the lie or understanding our narrative. And so I think we need to first start with understanding how do I frame my past? Like, how do I understand what happened to me? Because the same thing can happen to two different people, mm-hmm. but the key is how they are framing right. their experiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when we understand how we frame our past, we understand how we see our present and our hope or our imagined future. I think that's when we really understand what our narrative is and how it was formed. Mm. And so when we understand how it was formed, then we could ask ourselves, like, what is my story? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then like, is this a story that I want to believe? Yeah. Um, where did the story come from? Um, so there's a lot of questions, a lot of curiosity, a lot of investigation that's required um, to change our narrative. And, and also like realizing it's a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think um, we're going to get to this place where it's like, all right, my narrative is <laughs> good. I'm good. I'm good to go. Like this is a journey. Um, this is a journey of repair. This is a journey of um, trying to restore what's broken. And if we give ourselves that grace and that compassion that, you know, we're never going to arrive. Um, I think that'll also help us kind of propel us on this journey of changing our narrative um, for the better. You know, and I agree. I've seen it where, I've seen over the years, many people faced with the same trauma or situation. And it's fascinating to watch what one decides and what one doesn't and how their lives turn out. It really fascinates me, like literally by a choice you decide to to forgive or not forgive, to believe or not to believe, changes the trajectory of people's lives. And Mm -hmm. I've seen it over and over what one person does and the other by the choices that we make in mm-hmm. that narrative. Mm-hmm. Tonight, that's so good, yeah. really good. Excellent. Okay, Mary, well, stopping I, the lies. Yeah, they're like Deborah and Tonight <laughs> have already um, painted it beautifully. It is looking in your past for patterns of lies you believe. But I would add on top of that, for people who know you well, ask them because they can see mm. patterns that maybe you're not as objectively able to see. Mm. And listen, my husband's told me patterns in the past and I'm like, what do you know? (laughs) Well, actually he knows. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would add. Um, I actually have a process that I use to help clients work through identifying the lies that they believe, the mental agreements, and this process of actually breaking it. You have to actually spiritually, but also mentally in your brain say, I choose to break the lie of. So um, I will have that as a resource for our viewers and listeners uh, attached to the blog. And so people can follow up on that. Perfect. What a perfect segue, Dr. Mary, because now as we talk sort of the spiritual um, understanding, Mm -hmm. uh, I want to go to Ellen. She is one of our uh, Ah. panelists on Ask the Experts, and she's actually doing the good word with us today. And she's sharing from Romans 12, 1 to 2, with the focus on renewing of Mm. our minds. So let's listen to Ellen and come back with our part two in changing our narrative 
resetting and renewing our minds. Here's Love Ellen. In my day-to-day, -day, I can forget the extravagant generosity and deep, deep wisdom fully available to me as a follower of Jesus. As a mom, a coworker, a friend, a wife, a daughter, it can just feel like everything hinges on me and what I'm responsible for. And I forget that it's God who actually holds the beginning and the present and who will wrap this all up in the end. But then when I do remember, what do I do with that? Great question, right? The letter to the believers living in Rome has a lot to say to the, about this. Today we're going to read from Romans chapter 12 in the message translation. So here's the scripture. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, developing well-formed maturity in you. Sometimes we feel like we need a big audacious goal for our lives. I'm not sure if we think that that's what's going to make our lives significant or prove that we're really living for God. And we think sometimes that these big goals were going to transform our life into something amazing. But here's what God says. Our everyday ordinary lives, our sleeping, our eating, our going to work, our walking around life, that's what matters. He wants us to thank him for it and invite him to be present in it. We want, he wants us to see him in the midst of our circumstances. And doing that, that's what's going to transform us. It's not this big thing. It's the, in the small things that it will allow us to live fully present, become mature, and live a really meaningful life, which makes us the most fully alive version of ourselves. Ellen, fantastic job. I love that she's really like unpacked uh, that verse in Romans 12, 1 to 2. Okay, mm. your thoughts when Ellen was focusing on not conforming to the pattern of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? Because we read that verse and everybody's nodding and Sunday yeah, yeah. school, like, yeah, amen. Yeah, <laughs> got it. And then you're like, wait a second. There's right. some work and deeper things yes. in that passage. Deborah, let's start with you. Like that passage, how does that help us and ground us as we look at resetting and renewing our minds? I love that passage. I always say it's the cognitive behavior therapy of the Bible. <laughs> like I thought of this stuff long before we did. Yeah. But but I you know when I when I look at changing your thoughts, I think about changing your clothes, for example. It's an active process. I think mm. people think it's just going to happen magically because we're Christians. Mm. They don't see it as this active process. I have to take off the old. I've got to recognize it. I've got to actually actively begin to take off the old and put on new thoughts, transform my thinking. So for me, I look at that verse and, and I, I see an active process. Oh, active, not passive. Yeah, I like that. Not just like it's going to happen. It's going to fall down right. from the sky, 
but it's active. I love that. Yeah, and I love the analogy of changing our clothes. Changing yes. our clothes. Because yeah. <laughs> we all know how to do that. Yeah. We all have to choose we that. We can all do that, right? We can yes. all do that, exactly. So, Knight, for you. Yeah, just to like piggyback off of what Deborah said, I think um, with that activity, with that act, action comes with testing it against the word of God. Mm. You know, when I'm having these thoughts, what does the Bible say about these thoughts? You know, is this true? Is this mm. good? Um, and using that discernment that the Holy Spirit gives us to really discern what we're thinking, whether it's from God or rooted in a lie or rooted in something of this world. Mm. Um, so it's just that active process of testing and challenging and questioning um, that we have to continue to do on a daily basis. Mm. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Mary. And I've, I've said this before, it's not enough to have insight. Like if it was all just about reading a book, I got the knowledge, I'm good to go, that would be amazing. But it's insight that's applied in wisdom but wisdom's not even enough because it's wisdom lived out habitually over a period of time. Mm. So it's t taking off the clothes, putting on new clothes again and again and again. So it becomes habitual, becomes a new way of thinking. Ah. So it's it's being so intentional about tracking my thought life. And I use this simple thing. When I feel icky, that's the word I use, because sometimes mm. I don't even know how I feel. When I get, feel icky, the first thing I have to do is, why am I feeling icky? Is it based on a true? Truth or a lie? Because God doesn't convict by making me feel icky. He convicts with this feeling of, oh, yes, mm. Lord. Mm. So once I can identify that it's a lie, then I can begin to replace it, like Sunite says, well, what is the truth? Right. And if I don't have it at the tip of my fingers, I can say, Jesus, what is the truth to replace this? He's there, Holy right. Spirit is there to give us the yeah. truth. Mm. And then what does this mean in terms of how I'm gonna react or respond? and how I'm gonna do that switch, and I'm gonna do that better thing, and I'm gonna do that again and again and again. Okay, I love these things. So I've got viewers and listeners who are going, awesome, mm -hmm. so inspiring. Okay, right. <laughs> now what do I do? Like, right. how do I actually go, I hear you, I am so inspired, I want to do this. I wanna stop believing the lies. Mm -hmm. I wanna reset my life here in 2022. I want to change my narrative because my story is not working for me. Mm -hmm. What would, yeah. for, for all of you, like the first step or something really practical because I think people are overwhelmed in, in, in beginning this sort of like new healthy journey. Mm -hmm. So tonight, what would you say to somebody who's just like, oh my goodness, I want to do this, but I just don't know how. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think learning how to practice the power of the pause, mm. learning how to stop, mm. think, hear our thoughts, sit with our emotions, um, and approach it with curiosity. You know, how do I feel right now? Where are mm -hmm. these emotions coming from? Mm -hmm. um, when we're able to really experience the full range of our emotions, I think that's when we could tap into that joy and that kindness and that love in an authentic and life-giving way. But when we suppress those icky feelings that we just don't want to feel um, it's harder to access those feelings that we do want to experience um, authentically and so the power of the pause the power of the pause mm. will be transformative it could be life-giving um, it could even be a space where we invite the holy spirit to speak to us mm. and inform us um, to speak over our minds to speak over our thoughts to speak over our feelings so the power of the pause would be would be my Awesome. I love that. And here's the thing. I have found, even for me for many years, I was afraid to do the pause. Because mm. what that means is that I'm 
alone with myself. Oh, yes. And I don't know if yeah. I liked myself. I didn't mm. know if I could be okay being just with myself and God. Mm. And I wonder if there's a lot of people that are too afraid to do the pause tonight. Like, I, I'm now yeah. liking the pause. As I've gotten older and realizing the importance of the pause, mm -hmm. I'm actually like really like I want the pause. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of people are like, I'm too afraid of what that would mean or what I would find. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like I, that's something that I struggle with. Like I do struggle with pausing, mm -hmm. but when I do it, it's so transformative. I'm like, I cannot believe I was hesitating to enter this space. Mm -hmm. And so I think the more we Good. do it, the easier it becomes yeah. um, because we're able to see the benefits of it. Yeah. So good. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Debra, yeah. Deborah's like nodding yes. going, yep. Yeah. <laughs> we're speaking yeah. this language. Yeah. You're speaking my language. This is my awesome. dream just to sit and listen to a bunch of therapists talking. Oh, next time you have to be a line this on is the my couch. dream too. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I would say I'm a, I'm a writer, I'm an author. So one of the ways that I process as well as encourage my clients to process is through writing. Mm -hmm. And one activity I'll have them do is called the dark side versus the bright side. Oh. And basically I'll have them kind of write out their narrative. It could be a situation they're going through right now. It could be their life story, kind of depending on what area we're struggling with. And when you look at our story, there's always dark things and there's always bright things in every story. And I think being a positive person, somebody who's resetting their thoughts and, and focusing on the positive doesn't mean that we pretend there's nothing negative mm -hmm. because yeah. there's hard things in life. Yeah. There are, there's stress, there's finance issues, there's relationship problems. But when you write out your story, you have two versions. You've got the dark side mm -hmm. where you can highlight all of the horrible things and you've got the bright side where you can focus on the positive, what God is doing versus what he's not doing mm. versus what you're waiting on versus what you want him to mm. do. We can open our eyes to everything he's already done. And so mm. I think sometimes just the act of writing out my story, the bright side of my story, forcing myself to see the good in what's going on in my life right now, and then asking myself, which side of the story do I have a tendency to live out? Of? Which side do I have a tendency to highlight and focus? Because whichever side it is starts to influence our feelings. Oh, and, so and it's good. kind of a, a spiral from there. Mm -hmm. Ooh, and I would good. add, share it with a trusted person too, because then it becomes even more actively engaged with, and then they could speak into that too, can't they? So writing out, I love it. So we've got the pause, Yep. we've got the writing, and then the Mary, accountability. accountability, share it with somebody. Yeah, and, and I would add, actually, there are so many wonderful tools, like the Enneagram. We talk about it all the mm -hmm. time. So the Enneagram, the nine different numbers, most people are aware of their number. Each of the number has a particular filter that can you can quickly identify the lies that are associated with that. So if you even just start with that. Um, Sunait is an Enneagram coach. Um, I am myself as well. Like, there's people around who can help guide you with that. Mm -hmm. So that's a simple, a little bit more fun light way of entering into facing some truths about myself. That's what I would suggest. What I'm hearing though, and I love it from therapists, mm. is that it's not like, let me, just come to me and I'm just gonna tell you, oh, you know, right. how you yes. are and who you are. 
all of you have said there's something active to do. Mm -hmm. Pausing is an active choice. Yeah. Writing is something you actually have to do. Right. Telling somebody, yeah. doing Enneagram or whatever kind of personality or, mm -hmm. or testing or something you have to do. And I'm really big on that, mm -hmm. um, that we have to choose to do something. Yeah. We cannot not do something yeah. and then try to think, why is my life not working? Exactly. Why, why don't I know changing? things? We yeah. have to work. I love this. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. This question to kind of like, sort of like encapsulate up, you know, the end of the show, but the Jesus mm. part uh, that is needed for me as a follower of Jesus, mm. I say this to people who don't follow him, mm -hmm. like I couldn't imagine life without him. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so how does Jesus mm. make the difference as we reset in this new year? Mm -hmm. And talk about it from a personal point of view. I mean, how has he helped you in your own life, but how could he also help somebody who's in this, okay, I'm gonna stop believing the lies and I'm gonna reset. Mm -hmm. So Knight, let's start with you. Mm -hmm. Jesus making the difference. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we all know by now that we cannot predict what's gonna happen in 2022. Mm -hmm. Like we have no idea. <laughs> okay. And so I think posturing ourselves in a way where we are fully dependent on Christ where we know that like our hope is in you, Jesus. Mm. My hope is in not in my job. Mm -hmm. My hope is not in what I can see. My hope is not in my relationships, but it's in you because life happens. And we want to ensure that even though life happens, I am on the rock. Mm. I am, my feet are planted on this rock. That's not going to move. That's steadfast. That's always going to care for me. That's always there for me. Um, and I think for me personally, like I did experience difficulty um, in 2019, like I lost my dad mm. and I, I remember experiencing joy mm. and at, at one point, and I felt guilty, you know, and I felt like, I'm experiencing this grief. Am I allowed to experience joy as well? Mm. And I felt guilty leaning into that. But when I was able to release myself from this rule on how I'm supposed to experience right. grief and how I'm supposed to experience pain, I was able to lean into that joy that was rooted in Christ, mm. knowing that, you know, my father is with his Lord and Savior, okay. that he is in a better place and that he's rejoicing. And so um, I can hold space for grieving while holding space for joy as well. Mm. That is that. so good. So yeah. it's almost, you know, what Jesus brings is, well, those deep things mm -hmm. that, uh, for example, how we can forgive somebody when the world says you can't forgive them, mm -hmm. but there is this, this yeah. very deep soul, like, yeah, actually, because Jesus has forgiven me, I'm going to forgive. Yeah. Yeah. Like these things that are just so almost like supernatural out you know, out of this world. Well, how do you have grief and joy? Yeah, grief and joy at the same time. It's that's like grief and joy. What? But it's like yeah. it's possible. Yeah. Because we know who exactly. he is and and what he's about. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful, Deborah. You know, earlier when I talked about the struggle with other people being our measuring stick and kind of measuring ourselves up against what they say or who they think we should be, for me, Jesus brings the shift in that my measuring stick becomes who he says I am, mm. who he's oh, made yeah. me to be, what he calls mm. me to be. It's no longer comparing myself against everybody around me. It's aligning myself to the truth of who I am in him, the unchanging truth that I am loved, that he yes. is for me, that I am strong because of him, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, the promises are endless. The identity is endless when we look through scripture 
And so making sure that every day I'm aligning myself to that measuring stick mm-hmm. and not this, the measuring stick of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's what keeps my, my heart and my mind in the right place. And it's something like Mary said, it's something you have to do every single day mm-hmm. because you're yeah. so vulnerable to going right back to mm. your old ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. If you're not actively aligning yourself with truth on a daily basis, that's why God's word is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Excellent. So God's word so important and not the opinions of others, mm-hmm. but God's opinion of you, mm-hmm. right? Like who he yeah. says you are and who he says, you know, um, how he sees you mm-hmm. as beloved, mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Dr. Mary for you. Yeah. I mean, th- th- I love what the two of you are saying. It's amazing. And, and I think for me, the challenge is I, I know the truth of the scripture. I know that Jesus loves me. I know my identity in Christ, but knowing it doesn't always mean I live it out. Yeah. So a practice I've been doing recently is centering prayer where I just focus on uh, a picture or an image or a word that reminds me of how loved I am. And I've put it into my schedule twice a day I'm doing this mm-hmm. and just letting myself immerse in the truth of how loved I am. So then out of that fullness, out of that security, I'm much more able to discern what's true, what's not true. I'm much more able to have a thicker skin if I get mm-hmm. data that's hurtful or negative or critical. So that's me attempting to kind of internalize the truth of scripture even more and just how it's transforming my thought life. Yeah. Amazing. What about you? Oh, Jesus. Wow. I mean, there's so much. We don't have like two hours, but uh, like I said, <laughs> like I said, I mean, I really couldn't see my life without Jesus. There, yeah. The truth of him always being there has never left me mm. into my darkest depressions, through my divorce, through very difficult things in my yeah. life there was a real presence and sense of his presence Mm. with me. It's hard to explain if you don't get it, but it's like literally his presence, his calm, his hope that enveloped me Mm. and lifted me. Mm. It is something just absolutely beautiful. And the truths of his scripture, like you're right. There are truths and there's ones that I need to sit in, but um, Mm. I really am not here uh, without him. I couldn't be what I'm doing without him. So... He's the one. So mm-hmm. listen, I wish we could talk longer. Uh, thank you so much, Deborah Folletta, uh, Sinead Lichmore, Dr. Mary. Um, I know all of your information and contact information are all on our website at seeherelove.com. But thank you for the good work you're doing. Thank you for the many people that you're meeting with and giving hope and resources and tools to help them along in their journey of resetting their narrative and helping them to stop the lies they're believing. So thank you so much for all of you, mm-hmm. for your presence in the world, your voice and your wisdom. So thanks for joining me today. Our pleasure for sure. Thanks, Melinda. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And to you, our viewer and listener, again, seeherlove.com for all the information, blogs, bios, resources to help you. And as you reset, begin to stop believing the lies that have crippled you or have held you back. Always know mm-hmm. that you are known You are seen, you are heard, and you are deeply loved by God. Thank you so much for joining us. Good job, ladies.
It's our first ever See Here Love Conference coming on Saturday, March 26th, 2022, and the theme is Making Space. Making space for life-giving friendships, leading yourself and others well, for loving your neighbors, and for Sabbath and rest. We hope you join me and our See Here Love co-hosts and special guests, along with our amazing keynote speakers, Annie F. Downs, Joe Saxton, Holly Forche, and Shayla Visser, for an afternoon of fun, laughter, celebration, friendship, prayer, and tons of learning and activities. We'd love for you to join us March 26, 2022. And for more information, go to seeherelove.com slash conference. See Here Love thanks our partners who make this show possible. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded, nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre for Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing See Here Love. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R, 4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.